Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Again, good morning. My name is Dan Koop Lichty, and it's my pleasure to be here as Director of Alumni Engagement and International Student Advisor. We warmly welcome all alumni and families of current students, grandparents, parents, and siblings who are here this weekend. Thank you so much for making the effort to be here on this glorious day. Today, we are privileged to learn more about a few of our many outstanding alumni. First, though, I'm pleased to introduce members of our Alumni Council. If the Alumni Council members would please stand. Don't be shy. <laughs> the Alumni Council is here every year for homecoming, and this year we have the pleasure of also having the GC Board of Directors join us. And I'd ask the members of the Board of Directors to please stand. One small note, because I'm asked this every year, I did want to let you know that we will be taking the awards back from the awardees after we give them to them because we don't want them to walk around with fragile things. And, and, and we will move them to the reception afterwards. Don't worry, they will get them. <laughs> it is now my pleasure to ask Harold Watson, GC Director of Athletics, to come to the stage. He's going to tell you more about the Champions of Character Honors that are awarded each year. Hello. The Dr. Ruth Gundon and Dr. Roman Gingrich Champion of Character Awards are presented annually to a male and female athlete who exemplify the college's core values in their lives, their work, and their community service. Dr. Gundon and Dr. Gingrich, both pioneers of the Goshen College athletic history, exemplified the core values of the award, which are respect, responsibility, integrity, sportsmanship, and servant leadership. Each year, this award is presented by the Maple Leaf Athletic Club. To present the awards, please welcome President Stolzos. So good morning, and welcome back to Goshen College for those of you who haven't been here for a little while. It's wonderful to have you all here. And it is my pleasure to um, introduce to you the five alumni awardees for this homecoming celebration in our 125th anniversary year of Goshen College. So first, the um, Athletic Alumni Awards, the Champion of Character Awards. And I um, first, I'm going to tell you about Garrett Canizzo. Now, Garrett is not with us this morning, but he will be at the reception that is especially for the Champion of Character awardees tomorrow at noon. Garrett, originally from Arlington Heights, Illinois, came to Goshen College to continue his baseball career and to pursue accounting, business, and entrepreneurship. In his senior year as a Maple Leaf, he was consistently one of the team's top hitters and outfielders. Off the baseball diamond, he was involved as a student leader on campus, serving in positions such as business manager of the record and a resident assistant. Garrett currently works in Elkhart, Indiana, as an audit senior manager at RSM US LLP, the fifth largest public accounting firm in the country. Garrett was named to the South Bend Tribune's 2018 Michiana 40 Under 40 list 
and was the recipient of the 2017 Indiana CPA Society's Emerging Leader Award. Since graduating, Garrett has been deeply involved in our local community with a number of nonprofit organizations, both in volunteer and board positions, which he notes has helped him create business connections and has accelerated his career trajectory. So you will meet Garrett tomorrow at the um, Champions of Character reception. Our second athletic alumni awardee is Kari Husenkvelt. Kari, why don't you come forward? In Kari's senior year as a Maple Leaf, she was named the women's basketball team most valuable player and was the first captain under our current head coach, Stephanie Miller. And I'm sure that Steph is here, bursting with pride somewhere, woo! <laughs> now a coach herself, Kari is in the process of leading her team into winning seasons. After transferring to Goshen from Heston College in 2010, Kari made an immediate mark on the Maple Leaf basketball program in her junior year. And in her senior year, averaged 7.6 points and 4.3 rebounds per game. She began coaching at Hillcrest Academy, which was formerly Iowa Mennonite School in Kelowna, Iowa, after graduating from Goshen. And she has served as the head girls basketball coach since the 2015 season. In her first two seasons at Hillcrest Academy, her teams won just one game. Then in the 27-18 season, they finished with five wins. Last season, they won 10 games. Congratulations. <laughs> but more than winning, Kari sees her work as instilling confidence and helping her players grow as people. This spring, she won the E. Wayne Cooley You Can Award by the Iowa Girls Coaches Association for her work in rebuilding the girls' basketball program at Hillcrest Academy. This award is meant to recognize coaches who are early in their coaching careers and are building up a varsity program. Husingfeld was one of just three coaches in Iowa given the award for girls' basketball. Congratulations, Kari. And now to our Culture for Service awardees. This year, I am very pleased to present our Young Alumni Award to Rob Vandergeesen Reitzma. Rob, why don't you come forward? Since Rob graduated in 2005, he and his wife, Kirsten, who is also with us today, have been leading a community development movement in Three Rivers, Michigan, growing friendship and imagination through food, art, and play. Rob's faith is a driving force for all the work that he does in Three Rivers. Joe Lichty, professor of peace, justice, and conflict studies, still remembers Rob's 50-page senior thesis for PJCS as, quoting Joe, among the most theologically informed and Christ-centered theses I have ever read. 
That means a lot coming from Professor Lichty. Rob is the executive director of a nonprofit called Culture is Not Optional. He oversees the Huss Project, which has helped to transform an abandoned elementary school in a lower income neighborhood into a lively community space, including the Imaginarium, a space for year-round community program. The Huss Project hosts art installations, festivals, and service learning groups. Over the summer, they partner with local schools to provide lunches for children during the week. They have an urban farm on site, and 80% of the produce is distributed to people in the area who lack access to fresh vegetables. Rob and Kirsten also help start and continue to help run World Fair, a volunteer-run fair trade store in downtown Three Rivers that opened the same year he came to Goshen College. Rob has firmly planted himself in the Three Rivers community, using his time, energy, and resources to help everyone around him grow to meet their full potential. Congratulations, Rob. So I made a mistake because I was supposed to have invited Angela Powell up to the stage to help display these awards. Okay, all right. So I know that our Alumni Council already stood up earlier, but I just want to um, make sure that you know who Angela Powell is because she is the current chair of our Alumni Council and we're really grateful for her leadership and presence with us this weekend. The first of our two Culture for Service Award winners is Carolyn Yoder-Souter. Carolyn, why don't you come forward? in this audience has performed or enjoyed a performance in Souter Concert Hall? <laughs> well, you have Carolyn Souter in part to thank. Carolyn's passion for music and the arts led her to help get the ball rolling and serve on the Goshen College Music Center Fund Drive and Planning Committee nearly 20 years ago. Carolyn graduated from Goshen College in 1955 with a degree in education, and she and her husband Maynard settled in Archbold, Ohio. Her father-in-law, Erie Souter, started Souter Woodworking, now the fifth largest residential furniture manufacturer in the nation, and after his retirement, he founded Souter Village. Souter Village is Ohio's largest living history museum where costumed guides and talented artisans and craftspeople show visitors what life in Ohio looked like hundreds of years ago. It's really fun. If you haven't been there, I recommend it. Carolyn helped to implement Erie's vision for Souter Village in 1976. She was the people person working with the staff, historians, and the management team to bring the vision to life. And she soon became the executive director. She retired from that position in 2000, passing the reins to her daughter, Debbie Souter David, 
but she still continues in her 45th year at the village as a volunteer. And I would just like to, to note the whole Souter pew that is, that is here um, supporting Goshen College and supporting Carolyn today. With a spirit of generosity, she established the Souter Stewardship Foundation to make a meaningful positive impact on the community, the nation, and the world. She supports causes like Mennonite Central Committee, Mennonite Economic Development Associates, and other organizations, including Goshen College, I might add, that promote peace and justice in the world. Carolyn works by encouragement and enthusiasm, carefully sharing credit, always solicitous of the feelings and needs of others. She personifies generosity and service, giving freely of her time, resources, and talents to improve the world and the people around her. Congratulations, Carolyn. The second recipient of the Culture for Service Award this year is Ming Wing Kaufman. For the past 40 years, Ming has worked with organizations around the world to develop relationships and understanding across language and cultural barriers. Ming grew up in Saigon, Vietnam, and found her way here to Goshen College in 1969. After graduating in 1974, she and her husband Fred, who she met here at Goshen College, signed up to work abroad for Mennonite Central Committee. Ming and Fred, who is also here with us this morning, <laughs> um, worked in Guatemala following an earthquake in 1976 and then in Andhra Pradesh, India, following a hurricane in 1978, and then on to Cambodia for the post-war recovery after the Khmer Rouge were driven from power. And this is where Ming started to reconnect with Vietnam. In Vietnam, her work became focused on using her global connections to facilitate educational exchanges, which were viewed as highly suspicious by the Vietnamese government following the Vietnam War. She helped arrange visas and travel for Vietnamese students to study abroad, including working with Fulbright scholars and with the Ford Foundation. Her work has contributed significantly to the normalization of relations between Vietnam and other nations. In 1989, Ming created the Education Exchange Center, a project of MCC's Vietnam program later renamed the Center for Educational Exchange with Vietnam, the organization has given hundreds of Vietnamese people the path to international education and opportunity, producing leaders in many fields, including top ministry levels of the Vietnamese government. Ming, a US citizen, has received 10 national awards in Vietnam, including the Presidential Medal of Friendship which is the country's highest medal awarded to a foreigner. 
Ming and Fred now live in Philadelphia, where Ming is active in Philadelphia's Vietnamese Mennonite Church. Her integrity, wisdom, and personal warmth has earned her deep respect and trust from a wide variety of Vietnamese people, both in the centers of power and on the margins. She truly embodies Goshen College's value as a global citizen. Congratulations, Ming. morning, Rob and Ming will speak to us. Carolyn will speak tomorrow morning at the alumni breakfast, and Garrett and Kari will speak at the Champions of Character Special Reception in the Rec Fitness Center tomorrow at noon. So I would like to welcome Rob back to the stage for his um, remarks to us this morning. Good morning. Thank you. Um, it is a great honor to be recognized by the Goshen College Alumni Board, particularly when there are so many extraordinary alumni doing amazing work around the world, including some of my fellow awardees today. Um, I should start by noting that I would feel more comfortable wearing Carhartts and steel-toed boots, um, but I was told I should dress up. Um, <coughs> So, yeah, um, and also uh, <laughs> I am honored to be considered a young alumni. Um, my, my niece just gave birth to her first baby <laughs> this morning. <laughs> so, I knew I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <clears throat> I am privileged, and I use that word intentionally, to do community development work in Three Rivers, Michigan, just about 30 miles north of here, alongside a small intentional community. Together, we are working to cultivate flourishing for all in our small rural city. I'll share more specifics about that soon, but first, I'd like to offer some context to invite you into my story. Many people have supported me over the years, but today I want to draw particular attention to my teachers at Goshen College and the many teachers they introduced me to. Together, this cloud of witnesses helped grow in me a radical vision of the good life that demands flourishing for all, neighbor, stranger, and enemy alike. A vision that Martin Luther King liked to call the beloved community. In the words of the prophetic author David Dark, quote, beloved community is an enlarged sense of neighborliness that strives to maintain neighbor as an ever-widening category, even when the neighbor appears before us as a threat or an enemy, unquote. My path to Goshen College was a little unusual, as are many of ours. I grew up in a loving family in the south suburbs of Chicago in a Dutch enclave known for its strong practice of Christian education. One of the strengths of my inherited tradition is its philosophy that the Christian vision has implications for all areas of life, not just the spiritual parts. A community rooted in kingdom stories and practices should be shaped by that kingdom vision in every way 
from our dinner tables to our architecture to our business practices. Everything is spiritual. It's a matter of what spirit is moving. But after making my way from kindergarten through college in this tradition, I still hadn't found what I was looking for. As a young adult, I saw too many Christians around me using our shared theological framework for their own family's well-being while ignoring the suffering of others around them. I dropped out of the first college I attended after my sophomore year because, frankly, I had lost interest in most of the things I was studying. But that all-of-life vision was still compelling. Along with some friends from college, my partner Kirsten and I helped start a nonprofit organization called Culture Is Not Optional to keep exploring the meaning of the kingdom vision our tradition had planted in us. In the meantime, I worked as a freelance graphic designer in The Loop in Chicago, getting a bottom-up view of the extraordinary amount of money multinational corporations were throwing at the wall in the quest to be part of the next big thing. In the midst of this wild extravagance, I found myself reading on the L, Dorothy Day, Thomas Merton, and Daniel Berrigan, Christians who had given their whole lives to the pursuit of justice and nonviolence. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their witness kindled a longing in me, and everywhere I looked to find Christians living out those ideals today, I kept running across these people called Mennonites. Their commitment to peace permeated their daily lives in the kinds of radical ways I was looking for. Influenced by the work of the Mennonite Central Committee, Kirsten and I helped open a volunteer-run fair trade store called World Fair in downtown Three Rivers in 2003, shortly after we moved there. That same year, when I decided to finish my undergraduate studies, I discovered a program at Goshen College that seemed like a perfect fit, peace, justice, and conflict studies. I dove headfirst into the opportunity to challenge my inherited tradition, to examine ideas that would take me in new directions, and to, and to develop a stronger vision for what flourishing might look like in ways that demanded justice for all. Many teachers in my time here encouraged this work in me and teased out connections that I could not have made on my own. Carolyn Schrockshank, I'm a fairly emotional person, apparently. <laughs> Carolyn kindly guided me to do more inner work, to identify my own motivations for what I was doing. Regina Shan Stolzfus helped me name systemic racism and set me on a course of lifelong transformation toward an anti-racist way of being. Joe Lichty, who says ridiculous things about me, <clears throat> taught me the value of patience in piecework, of consistently showing up to listen well. Paul Keim helped me rediscover the Bible, and Joanne Brandt showed me the subversive peace narrative that runs throughout the text. John Roth walked me through Mennonite history, which was entirely new to me at the time. Melinda Berry challenged me to read more widely to listen more deeply to the witness of oppressed people. 
and to recognize the inherent white supremacy embedded in our systems. Of course, this list is by no means exhaustive of people or things I learned, and does not even include the profound ways my fellow classmates shaped me. All of my classes taught me to question patterns of power so I could learn to identify with the marginalized and powerless as Jesus had done. This integral principle was a core of what I had been looking for as I tried to diagnose why too many of my fellow Christians continued to perpetuate an unjust status quo, not always by intention, but by apathy. Throughout my two short years here, I found that while my inherited tradition had planted an abstract idea about God's kingdom, the Mennonite tradition offered me tools and resources to help grow that seed into something real and fruitful. The core commitment to peace and justice as the root and fruit of Christian faith changes everything, opening up new ways of being in the world and demanding so much more of us. It's a radical alternative to the pervasive us-them narrative. It asks us to identify with the other, the stranger, even our enemies, and call them neighbor. And it invites us not only to share our neighbor's joy and bounty, but also their suffering. My time at Goshen fundamentally altered the course of our work with Culture Is Not Optional. We had, been, we had been operating in the abstract, publishing online and hosting events to talk about ideas. Over time, we found that the only way for ideas to germinate and grow roots was to plant them in the places where we live, breathe, and have our being. The work of justice begins in our own neighborhood. As an organization, we shifted our attention to Three Rivers specifically. Today, as President Stolzfus already said, we grow food on an urban farm that distributes produce to neighbors in our city who wouldn't otherwise have access to fresh food, and we host a summer lunch program for school-aged kids. We also organize an annual summer festival to celebrate our community's creativity with over a thousand of our neighbors, as well as a storytelling series inspired by the Moth Radio Hour, among other projects. Much of this work takes place at the Huss Project, a former elementary school property we're seeking to transform, where, sorry, where we're seeking to transform our community's persistent challenges by growing our collective capacity for imagination. Because we need a robust imagination to realize the vision for the beloved community, loving the stranger and our enemies until we all become neighbors, and then, loving our neighbors, not just in theory, but in practice. The work is exceedingly difficult, but the vision for flourishing is enduringly beautiful. The world needs each and every one of you to help bring this vision into being in whatever field you are in and in whatever place you choose to live in. We need it now, times being what they are, hard, and getting harder all the time. We need doctors, sociologists, and historians who are imagining solutions to high infant mortality rates in communities of color.
<clears throat> we need bankers who are imagining pathways to home and business ownership for populations who have been left behind by gaps in general, generational wealth. We need farmers and eaters who are committed to the land, living out the connection between soil health and healthy communities. We need engineers who imagine new means of energy production as we stare down an uncertain future for our planet. We need journalists who lift up the value of the voices of the voiceless. We need politicians who set policy based on the care of the least of these, neighbors and strangers, reminding us that justice is what love looks like in public. And in the end, we all need each other to imagine and live into a vision of neighborliness that is nothing less than kinship, which, as Father Greg Boyle articulates it, is not serving the other, but being one with the other. Jesus was not a man for others, he was one with them. That is the beloved community, friends, and I am so thankful for the ways that Goshen College is growing that community through the formation of each of us. Thank you. It was almost 50 years ago that I arrived in Goshen, November 12, 1969. <clears throat> Meeting me at Chicago O'Hara Airport was Professor Atlee and Mrs. Winifred Beachy, my American sponsors, and my roommate, Noreen Preheim. We drove to their home here in Goshen, where I went straight to sleep. The next morning, Mrs. Beachy woke me up and pulled back the curtains. I saw snow the first time in my life. <laughs> I was naive, thinking that I was getting away from the war in my country to go study at a place that had no conflicts. On campus, I was surprised to see that quite a few students and faculty were engaged in protesting the war in Vietnam. I grew up in Saigon, a city of two million at that time. And the only images I had of the US were of big cities. I was shocked to see how small and quiet Goshen was as I walked down Main Street. But amazingly, in this small town, I met students from Ethiopia, Tanzania, Nigeria, the Congo, Egypt, Palestine, Germany, Austria, Haiti, Mexico, India, I'm not done yet, <laughs> Iraq, Japan, Korea, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Thailand. I was part of a global community of foreign students that met monthly on campus and held activities with our American roommates. Also in this small town, a Methodist widow named Mrs. Klein, who lived near the college here, opened her home to us almost every month to enjoy the delicious chicken she baked and to play card games. I was in the heart of a small Midwestern American town 
while at the same time I was surrounded with friends from around the globe. In the home of my American family, Ali and Winnie Beachy, I learned about their constant effort to advocate for justice and build peace and reconciliation around the world. My roommates took me to their homes in small rural Mennonite communities in North Dakota and Illinois so I could see their farms and how their families lived. That's the beauty of Goshen and the America I remember. Classes with Professor Norman Krauss on peace and nonviolence helped shape my Christian faith. And here I felt the compassion of Harold Bauman, the gentle campus pastor who paid attention to a foreign student like me. When my mother became terminally ill in Vietnam, he called on others to contribute money so that I could fly home. Some of you here may have contributed, and I thank you. It was here that I first experienced being part of a small K group, you know, small group that meet once a week, that helped me understand the meaning of a community of faith, of, faith, of believers, and that we all wanted to be part of a community. This group met in the home of Norman and Sharon hiding Lisa Kaufman. And there were Tony Brown, Jeanette Philibert, Dame Leinbach, Mario and Shirley Bustos, Deepak Samida, Fuji Kurosawa, John, Rosie, Laurie, Mark, Becky, Zook, Bruce, and Helen Glick. And many of them are here today. I would like them to stand, please. Thank you for being a part of my life's journey. I believe that it was this place, this global community, and the good heart of local citizens like Mrs. Klein, the Beaches' deep commitment to work for peace and social justice, the campus pastor, the courses, that prepared me to step out into the world, to discover, to survive, learn, and serve as a citizen of the world. This rich experience enabled me to work with the Mennonite Center Committee for 13 years in four different countries. And those 13 years shaped the next 25 years when I was able to work in my home country helping mid-career Vietnamese pursue graduate studies around the world. People in Vietnam are puzzled that I have no advanced degree, yet I have facilitated hundreds of people getting their master and doctoral degrees abroad. I grew up in a Christian family in Vietnam. It was here, in this place, this chapel, during that religious week in 1972, however, that I made a new and deeper commitment to Christ. Guest preacher Tom Skinner, who wrote Black and Free, called us to love God above every other love in our lives. I committed my life to Christ, to be the master of my life with the power to help me become fully what God created me to be. Christ was first, not my boyfriend at the time. 
When I told my boyfriend, he was shocked. <laughs> the verse that Pastor Skinner used stuck in my mind. In all your ways, commit to him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 6. During the past 25 years working in Vietnam, many times the path ahead was not clear. I faced complicated politics, security concerns, deep suspicion, and legacy of war. But as I look back, I see it was God's grace and God's gracious hand guiding me. Praise be to God. Friends, in 1969, by coming to the United States to study, I thought I was going into a great big world. I landed in Goshen, <laughs> a very small town in a small liberal arts college. But Goshen equipped me to step out into a much, much bigger world. And in that bigger world, I discovered that culture for service was not only a nice motto, but a way of life, a way of living that puts relationships and communities first. A culture that respects other cultures, that connects people to people. A culture for service that does not emphasize delivering services, but building communities. And that is the legacy of Goshen College that stays with me. And last but not least, from the time I was a teenager, I pray that God would grant me a good man to be my husband when I get older. It was here in this place that I found that good man, Fred Kaufman, <laughs> a Mennonite from Nebraska, class of 1973, who has been my companion in faith and life for 46 years. It was here that I met another very special friend. I admired him so much that I thought if I would ever had a son, I would name my son after him. Tony Brown is here, and so is our son. Would you stand up, please? And our son, Tony. And Nadia Ali, our new daughter-in-law who's married to Tony. And Timothy Kaufman, our second son. Thank you, everybody, for giving me the honor of this award and for this special opportunity to share my thoughts with you all at this moment. I haven't cried that much at Convo for quite some time. Um, it's such an honor to be involved in an event like this among people who have done so much to live out our institutional values and who have served with such distinction here in their home communities and around the world. You are all invited to a reception in their honor immediately following convocation in the fellowship halls to our, our left. 
I want to highlight there, there are a number of activities today and tomorrow related to the 125th anniversary of the college, and I also want to make sure that everyone in this room knows that you are all invited to the activities throughout the weekend, that students, families, and alumni, prospective students, anybody is involved, involved, invited to be involved. I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that because this is a homecoming weekend, we actually have a guest interpreter with us today. <laughs> Olivia Ginn, class of? 2016, who has come back from her home in Orlando to be with us for this weekend. At this time, I invite Dr. Scott Hostetler, GC class of 97, up to the stage to lead us in the singing of the Goshen College alma mater. The words are on the back of your program as well as on the screen. Mm-hmm. 